Our reading this evening is Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 32, and it's found on page 1175 of the Bibles in front of you. That's Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, And speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Thank you, worship group. I love that song. I really do like that song. Cause your word to come alive in me. Give me passion for your purity. Um, We'll see some of those things, hopefully, tonight. Um, Just like Phil was saying, this is our belonging series. Uh, This is also a follow-on from Tim's talk uh, a month ago learning how to belong to each other together forever. Um, For those who weren't there, I want to give a very brief snapshot of what we looked at. Uh, Maybe you were there, maybe you've forgotten. We looked at living out our identity as believers in Christ, giving thanks for people that God has given us to encourage us and equip us for ministry. We looked at the importance of growing together, that actually we can't do this by ourselves. Uh, We need each other together and forever. And so we'll see some of those themes tonight, and at the end, some real meaty, tangible application of what it looks like for us to belong to one another. And following on from that link verse in verse 16, to grow up together as a whole body, building each other up in love. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Lord, we ask that as we look at it, would you cause our hearts to come alive? Would you show us things, marvelous things out of your word? And would you teach us 
to belong to one another for your glory. Amen. When I was younger, one of my favorite pastimes was this. Oh, that. Where's Wally, for those who, who don't know? Uh, I had this big uh, hardback book that I would sort of look through and uh, fascinated trying to find where is that strange looking guy in the white and red uh, jumper and be looking for hours sometimes and eventually uh, there he is hiding behind that tree. How did I not see him before? But then I would turn the page and see something a little bit like this and my head would fall into my hands and groan as I suddenly realized there is absolutely no way I'm going to spot a red and white jumper in that red, white and blue. See, Wally is the guy that you know. That's the one that you're looking for. But you can't see him uh, because he's crowded out by everything else in the picture. He's blending right in. And, and uh, Paul is uh, saying something to the church at Ephesus, something similar. He says, I insist in the Lord that you must no longer live lives as the Gentiles do. If you close your Bibles, let's open them up again. Verse 17. You must no longer live lives as the Gentiles do. Don't blend into the background like Wally. Why? Let's continue. Don't live like the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So Paul is saying that the, the Gentile way of doing it, the way of all the other peoples of the earth, is a completely futile way. Futile. It's broken. It's empty. It leads to nothingness and to death. It's quite strong. Strong words to start with, isn't it? But true. And what's the problem here? What's the problem behind this futile thinking? Well, glance down to the end of verse 18. Because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. See, humanity, you and me, all of us, we have hard hearts in our natural state towards God. Hard hearts. We've been looking at Romans in our morning services, and we had just got to the point where we got to Romans 1.18 and seeing the sinful, hard hearts of humanity. Same thing here. Hard hearts are hearts that do not accept who God is, his plan of salvation, and his purposes for the world. And a hard heart leads to a downward spiral, as you can see there, of chaos, futility. Look in verse, um, beginning of verse 18. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from life of God. Dead in heart and dead in mind. And because they are dead, they've lost sensitivity. Sensitivity towards God. And that ultimately leads to sensuality. You can see that in verse 19. See, there's this gaping hole in humanity that was made for God, that is meant to be sensitive towards God. And because of their lack of sensitivity to God, they're filling it, the world, with anything and everything. Now it becomes whatever I can feel, the sensual, whatever can give me that emotional ride, whatever can numb that pain, whatever can give me that high. But these things end. So the downward spiral continues. And so it has to be more. I have to have that high again. I need that emotional satisfaction. I need to experience that passion again. And so the, the world, they indulge themselves again and again and again. And see in the end of verse 19, indulge in every kind of impurity, 
and they are full of greed. See, they will fill that hole with anything and anything. However impure it is, however wicked. And take again and again and again greed. It's a futile way of thinking and living. It's a life of greed. And Paul says, don't live that way. Stop it. Don't live that life. It's futile. Just have a think for the minute. Personally, what areas of your life are you blending into the background? A little bit like Wally. Living a life which kind of looks like the world. You can't see the difference. Remember where it leads, where what we've just been looking at. So that's the futile old life. Well, Paul then goes on to tell us about the fruitful new life. Have a look at verses 20 and 21. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So you learned as you heard and were taught the truth of Christ. You were taught the gospel, the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. You learned Ephesians 2. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. That is your story. You are now alive. And thank God for those who taught you that, who taught you the gospel, taught you the scriptures. Thank God that you now get to do the same thing. You get to tell others. We have new lives. We also have new minds. Glance down to verse 23. Paul saying, be made new in the attitude of your minds. Do you know that you have around 70,000 thoughts in a day? About 48 in a minute. Thought, 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 think. I'm having quite a few right now. What are you thinking about? What, what, are, what are those thought patterns? Where, where did you, what's going on in your mind that nobody else here in this room can see? What do you meditate on? What does your mind linger on? What, where, did you, where do you allow your mind to wander? Are those thoughts good? Are they bad? What about when you wake up first thing in the morning? Do you think about God or do you go to grab your phone or to play that game or to have a look at that news story that's been going on for the past couple of days? Or is it straight away into the, to the school rush or the work rush? See, we, we're told to have a new attitude in our mind, renew our mind in Christ, think on Christ, renew your mind in the, reading the scriptures. These are words of life, new lives, new minds. And a new self. Back in school, uh, I played rugby. Uh, I can't say that I was uh, any good, but I vividly remember the, these days. That's not a picture of me, but that's sort of what a picture of me would look like. And I remember those days when I would come home completely covered in mud. Um, and I would get to the door, caked is probably the best word. And mum would say, stop, undress, shower, now. In roughly that order. And I would love those, those uh, long showers as I watched all the mud sort of like drain off me down, down the plug and would come out all brand new and clean. Now, it would be utter madness if I got out of that shower and grabbed those clothes and put them back on again, wouldn't it? I'm suddenly, I was clean and now suddenly I'm wearing these filthy, dirty clothes. 
Verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, just like those dirty pieces of rugby clothing. The old self, I need to get rid of. I need to take off. Why? Well, look at the end of verse 22. Put off your old self, your old way of life, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You and I can't trust those desires. Jeremiah 17 says that quite well. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. We can't trust that old way of life, that old self, to live out that new life in God that Paul's asking us to do. Because that old lifestyle will tempt and trap us and put us back in that downward spiral. The futile and the old. No. Instead, we get something else to put on. Look at verse 24. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a similar picture in Colossians 3. You can look at it later. You've got new life to put on. Your new life was created to be like Jesus, to become holy as he is holy, to be righteous as he is righteous. This new life is not a futile life. It's a fruitful life. Growing in knowing who God is, seeing changes in behavior and attitude, becoming like Christ, having thoughts which are healthy and heavenly, Living lives of the Lord, worthy of the Lord, fruitful in every way. Can you see this comparison between futile old and fruitful new? At the beginning of that passage, we said futility of thinking, darkened understanding. Whereas now this new life, truth, truth in Jesus, new attitude of mind. In the old life, we were given over to sensuality, full of greed. But in this new life, we put off that old self with its deceitful desires. In the old life, we were separated from life in God. In the new, we put on our new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The futile life is a selfish, impulsive, and a greedy one. The fruitful life you have in Christ is pure, others-focused, sharing. And for us to belong to each other, what we're doing here, belonging to one another, we've got to start living out those new lives. And so to live out those new lives, we want to live in unity with one another. That's what we saw pretty much last time in in 1 to 16 of chapter 4. And we want the, the conduct of our lives to be pure, how we treat one another, unity and purity. And I want you to keep in mind the things I've just been talking about, the, the futile old life and the fruitful new, because we're going to see it again here in, this pas- in, in the final verses. So first off, words matter. Words matter. We've been given this great way of communication by God, our words. And Paul highlights three times when we, we've got to be careful with the words that we use. Have a look at verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Talking about telling lies. Verse 29. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Talking about debased or vulgar language. And the middle of verse 31. Again, being careful with our, with our words. Get rid of, and then see 
slander, attacking someone's character, telling untruths again. That, those things, those all belong to the futile old life. Futile old life. But in the fruitful new life, words encourage. Words build up. Words, words bless others. Look again to uh, verse 29. So we, we looked at, um, do not let unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but now only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. What about verse 25? Turn the page over again. Therefore, put off falsehood, for we are all members of one body. Some of us may struggle with telling lies, and that's something that we need to change, something that we need to repent of. And, but some of us, may, it may not be something that we are regularly doing or struggling with. But how often do we see each other in church and we'll go, how are you doing? And then the response will be, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Whereas actually under the surface, it's not all good. It's pretty awful. Pain. And in those small little lies, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fine. Are we, are we denying an opportunity for our fellow brother and sister in Christ to be able to speak words of truth, words of life, like we, we saw in the beginning of chapter 4? Have a think back over the last week as well. How have you used your words in work, in home, went out to the shops, online messaging? How have you used your words? Has unwholesome words and talk been there? Has your banter gone a little bit too far? The point is we want to choose the fruitful new life where words matter. So speak lovingly and truthfully for the sake of others. Because this is how we will learn to belong to one another. It's not uh, just words, uh, but it's action. Have a look at uh, verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. See, in, in the old futile life, remembering our previous life again, the old futile life, see, anger would fester and it would lead to bad actions and bad choices and, and to sin. In the fruitful new life, anger is expressed in a right way, in a right way, and it's not held on to. Let's have a look at it. So anger in itself is an emotion that we feel, along with our other emotions. It's not sinful in itself to be angry. I like the ESV translation of this, which says, be angry and do not sin. Anger unchecked, though, we've already seen, leads to sin. So how are we going to hold those two things in weight? Well, we know God is a righteous God, and he hates sin, and Jesus, in his righteous indignation, tossed the, the money changers out of the temple. God's anger is completely and always justified. But we get angry too. We, we might get angry at injustices in the world. We may get angry at uh, hearing stories of children who are dying because they have not enough food to eat. We may get angry about a story of a woman who's been enslaved by a sexual predator. We may get angry at Christians being executed simply because they say, I believe in Christ. Those are injustices. It's okay to be angry about those things. But be careful. Genesis chapter 4. Cain, son of Adam, 
He was angry, but he let his anger consume him. And in sin, he murdered his brother. Do not let the sun go down in your anger, thinking about the end of the verse. Maybe it's helpful uh, for us to have a think about at the end of the day before we go to sleep. Who have I had disagreements with um, that could sort of keep going and and lead to to further um, disagreements? And I want to seek reconciliation with them. But maybe there are some things that are are never going to be solved in, in one day. Broken relationships, broken trust. The point is, don't let time wear on, letting that anger fester like the old life. Therefore, giving an opportunity, verse 27, for the devil to get a foothold, to trap you, lead you back in that downward spiral. Take your anger to God. Talk to him about it. Let's move on. Stealing. Verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in a time of need. Stealing is wrong, morally wrong. From the thief on the street to the highest levels of government, it is not right to take something by force, something uh, or by any other means, something that does not belong to you. And here we have that command iterated again, but not just a command not to, but actually something to do an instruction instead. Do something useful with your own hands in work. Work is good. Work is a gift from God. It's not just a blessing for us, but also a blessing for others. There are some who can't work for age or health or other reasons. But we see here that we may use our hands in our work to share and bless others. The futile old life, remember, was a life of indulging, of greed, of me, selfish mind. But this new life is a, is a life of giving, of sharing, of supporting. For some of us, again, sinning may be a problem, a sin, and we need to repent of that and to stop sinning. For some of us, we need to practice that second half of the verse a little bit more. Look around, see who's in need, open up your home, maybe give a gift to somebody, bless a fellow brother and sister in Christ. This is how we learn to belong to each other. Verses 30 to 32. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. It's a curious phrase, isn't it? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What can we learn from that verse? Well, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is a person It's not an inanimate object. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as a sign that God is going to fulfill his promises. Salvation, we saw that in uh, one of our earlier songs. The the Spirit guarantees our hope until redemption is done. The Spirit is given to us to point us towards Christ, to show us the scriptures. He's given to us uh, in times of of when we need comfort and in times uh, to empower us for godly living. And here we have this imagery of a wax seal on a document, something official, it's guaranteed. Now think about our actions again. Our sinful actions can grieve others, can also grieve the Holy Spirit. And we've seen that language of grieving before, haven't we, in Genesis 6, when God looked down upon the earth that was full of evil, full of things that we see in verse 31, bitterness, 
rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. God looked down and saw complete and evil, uh, wickedness and evil in humanity, and it grieved him. These things create divisions with our neighbor, where we end up resenting who they are, what they have, what they do. We have the third person of the Trinity dwelling inside us. Why would we want to grieve God? What's our response to that? Well, it's verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. See, this is the antidote. Bitterness will lead to more bitterness, malice to more malice. That's the old way of life. But in the fruitful new way of life, forgiveness, it cuts that poisonous attitude to the root. Where our actions support our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, not hurt them, not grieve them. This is how we learn how to belong to each other. Just to finish off, look at again at the end of verse 32. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, this, this here, this is our motivation. This, what I've given here isn't just some sort of moralistic talk where we're seeking to be better versions of ourselves. There's plenty of that out in the world anyway. No, our motivation is because God forgave us and asked that we forgive. We remember that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we were living that futile, dead, greedy, indulging lifestyle, he gave himself for us. He put on our sinful and deceitful desires, those that we can't trust, so that we could put on his holiness and his righteousness. He was the one who was reviled, accused, slandered, spat on, mocked, all those things that we're, not, we're taught to get rid of in verse 31, so that we could be a part of the family of God. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So therefore, forgive others. You point others to Christ and the wonders and the beauties of knowing him. Build up others. Don't, turn them, don't tear them down. Speak the truth in love, not out of bitterness or speaking lies. This is how we're going to learn how to belong to one another. Living out our, fru- uh, our new fruitful lives in unity and in purity. And so that we do, verse 16, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. I just want to leave a a space just for a minute for us just to think back on everything we've just looked at. Our old futile lives, our new fruitful lives, things that we've looked at, those practicals, our words, those actions. And as I I pray, just think about some of those things. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it teaches us. It points us to Christ. We thank you for our, our new life in you. And we want to belong to one another, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would help us in these areas to grow. Anger, stealing, 
words, grieving, forgiving. Teach us how to belong to you, God, we pray. Amen.